in the heart of a champion there is a fire and the flames are controlled by burning desire to be the best you can be so everyone will see Celebrating the fourth this week at the Code of Man, Martin Luther King Jr. said, So let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous peaks of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and every molehill of Mississippi. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. Amen right there. (laughs) I like it. And not only does it call forth what we should celebrate on this week of July the 4th, we are talking about the liberty and independence and freedom of our nation, 247 years of it. But honestly, that quote coming from Martin Luther King Jr. celebrates a lot of the ongoing effort of freedom Mm -hmm. that we seek as a nation. There is a right freedom. There is a right liberty. There is an equality of man. And all of that can be celebrated today. And yet on top of that, that quotation also relates to what we're doing with this special episode. Because we are taking a little bit of a holiday break and not recording a new episode of The Code today. But we're going to be re-airing our all-time, most-listened-to episode, Lessons from Long's Peak. And as Martin Luther King Jr. said, from the snow-capped mountains of the Rockies, and there we were. Matter of fact, we walked over some snow and threw some snowballs in certain places. That's right, we did. Yeah, so there you go. You forgot about it. I sure did. I had to re-listen to this episode. Well, and, and this episode was released almost three years ago, August of 2020. And we had only been back from Long's Peak about a week or so mm-hmm. when we did this. And so looking forward to that. We don't do this very often. Have we ever done this? I don't think so. Makes for sure that we don't do it very often. Yeah. But uh, we're going to do it this week. And then we're looking forward to being back soon with old Roland Napoleon and a brand new episode. But in case you've never heard this one or it's been a while, as we celebrate the 4th of July this week, let's celebrate things like freedom and mountaintop experiences a matter of fact, you and I just got back from Costa Rica. We were on a trip down there. And kind of to put a little bit of a, uh, a thought behind why sharing this one, or at least another thought behind it, the purpose of our life as Christians is to know God and make him known. Mm-hmm. And surrendering to that in my life, I have found, has been a gateway to constant adventure. And this was just one of those treks. I mean, we just came back from Costa Rica. What am I doing in Costa Rica? Only one reason to know God, and to make, make him, him known. known. Yep. And what were we doing on Long's Peak? Telling you what we were. We were discovering God in a whole new way. Than, <laughs> I, and I can say that, not, not even really tongue-in-cheek, but I remember that experience for me was, was a major turning point in my own spiritual development because I went into it with that mentality. Hey, I'm, I'm going I'm to have to tap into uh, the strength of God in a way that I've never had to do before. And so coming back from that, mm-hmm. yeah, hands down. You know God and make him known in everything you do. As the story will be told, 
I too had to tap yes. into some strength that I had never tapped into before, and it came through prayer and faith, and sometimes faith is going forward and taking those next steps, trusting that God is going to supply what you need. And so it was a wonderful experience. We got there because we just surrendered to follow God, and God opens these doors of adventure. It's a lot of fun. So thanks for listening. We hope you have a wonderful Fourth of July holiday, and let's join that broadcast as it was originally released. A man, to be a true man, needs honor in his soul. He has to have honor with God first, for everything else without that is a mere shadow. In the heart of a champion. And welcome back to the Code of Man podcast. This is Mike Barnett, otherwise known as Overtrek, and it's good to have you with us and want to share with you just a special edition of our podcast as Easy Target and I, here in just a few moments, will be doing some reflection on what we're calling Lessons from Long's Peak and refers to our time out in Colorado here just a little over a week ago. And we'll join that conversation in just a moment, but I wanted to begin today by sharing my own reflections of that in the words that I wrote into our weekly Code Talk entitled Building Honor in a Man. When I think about honor, and I think of the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy, his son in the faith. He said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, and with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So having honor is a matter of making the right choices. One of those choices a man must make is to purge from his life and his heart any dishonor. Paul said, get away from youthful lust and pursue what we might call soul maturation. Now, not only purging, but another key to honor is to get around the right sort of men to help you develop honor. Again, Paul's been training Timothy, but along with Paul, there was this company of men who helped Timothy rise above the average. There was Luke, and Titus, Eubulus, Aquila, and others along the way, I'm sure. Oh, and Timothy, Paul writes, when you come visit me, bring John Mark with you. I believe Paul wanted Timothy to be coaching another young man along the journey. Now there's purging, there's the right sort of company. I would offer one more thing that builds honor in a man. He needs a test, and he needs to be challenged, even knocked down now and then so that he has the opportunity to stand back up. This is why Paul put Timothy in such a challenging position as pastor in Ephesus and then told him, again, 2 Timothy chapter 2, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Now, how would Timothy know the quality he was developing without a test now and then? Seneca, the ancient Stoic philosopher, speaking of virtus, the Latin word for manliness, said this, Without an adversity, virtus shrivels. 
we see how great and how viable Virtus is when, by endurance, it shows what it is capable of. Well, let me now explain. We are over a week removed from our Code of Man Super Adventure of the Year, the summiting of Long's Peak in the Colorado Rocky Mountains, a 14,295-foot elevation, which was literally between five and 6,000 feet of elevation gain from base camp. Our team of three exemplified the very meaning of honor, which is discussed above. Not that we are great champions in and of ourselves, but it was a physical and practical model of the very truth Paul was teaching Timothy. You see the challenge of the climb, and make no mistake, the last 2,000-plus feet of that is not a hike. It is a climb. But it brought out some purging. Prayer was definitely part of my kit. On the side of that mountain and those last couple thousand feet of climbing and scrambling, I often said something like, Lord, I need strength. I need your help. And it was coming from my heart. There was plenty of sweat, perhaps a few tears when no one was looking. And while no blood was shed, there was a lot of blood being pumped through those oxygen-deprived Tar Heel lungs. We met people frequently going up and down who would ask us where we were from, and we would say North Carolina, and they would chuckle and say, that's flatland. The company of men mattered, encouraging one another, believing in one another, assisting one another. And no man ever achieves anything of significance without the help of other men who have helped to fashion honor in his life. So I appreciated the help of Easy Target and Swamp Squatch, as you'll hear about in our discussion. Finally, it was the overcoming of the test. The moment of pulling yourself over that last ledge and seeing the top and being, at least in that immediate part of geography, being on top of the world. Now that's honor. It's like what Alexander Dumas says in The Count of Monte Cristo. Life is a storm, my young friend. You will bask in the sunlight one moment, be shattered on the rocks the next. What makes you a man is what you do when that storm comes. You must look into that storm and shout, Do your worst, for I will do mine. Then the fates will know you as we know you, as the man. And uh, here in the illustrious, magnanimous studios of the Code of Man with none other than Easy Target, Corey Cantrell. But we're about a week removed from returning from Long's Peak in Colorado in the Rocky Mountains. And we're going to be talking today lessons from Long's Peak. I will tell you that this morning I noticed that the current elevation of this undisclosed location is about 2,211 feet. Wow. <laughs> which, is, that, which is above sea level. It is above sea level. But it is, what, 12,000 foot difference from Long's Peak, if my rudimentary math is accurate? About 2,046 feet. Yeah, we'll yeah, go with that. Yeah. <laughs> In other words, it's a big old difference. Yeah, big difference. It's one of those special episodes where we want to focus a little bit on a code adventure, a code experience. Of the three of us that went, two of us are here today. Now, we're missing Swamp Squatch. Yes. Swamp Squatch had other things to do today at the time of this recording. My understanding Uh, is is he is uh, going out to uh, try to hit the long ball out on the fairway. uh, Ah, bless his heart. Yeah, he'll probably hike as many miles playing 18 holes of golf as we did during the week in the Rocky Mountains. I guarantee you, if he played golf with me and had to hike down to track down my ball, he would hike as many miles. He'll probably get that (laughs) done anyway. But uh, what we want to do today is just, well, let's describe the trip itself. Let's describe what this adventure was, what it consisted of. 
and then we'll go into some of the things we experienced personally and the things that we would pass on, lessons learned, and, and so forth. So the, the intent of it was to ultimately uh, backpack in the backcountry of the Rocky Mountain National Park and to culminate that with a climb of Long's Peak, which is a 14,259-foot elevation. It is the tallest mountain in that whole region of the country. And by comparison, uh, here in the east, eastern United States, and I think we've said this before in a previous podcast, but the tallest mountain here is Mount Mitchell State Park in North Carolina, Mount Mitchell. And it is roughly just under 7,000 feet. So it is more than twice that elevation. First night or first day when we arrived and we got everything settled, got checked in, Made about a was a two mile hike roughly, roughly yeah. into our first night's camp, Upper Mill Creek campsite. There, basically, what we did on the uh, most of our backpacking the first three days was a was a loop, and it was about a ten mile loop. Yeah. Now let's kind of set <laughs> explain that a ten mile loop around here in the eastern United States is something you do in uh, in a matter of, I mean, let's, let's even be conservative. That's a day. You, yeah. know, you spend a day hiking, you hike 10 miles. And, and really, most people that do any kind of backpacking and backcountry camping and hiking, I mean, 10 miles is, you know, that's not even really a full day. Yeah. But that is not a 10-mile <laughs> loop in the Rocky Mountains, okay? And what is one of the first things you remember about that experience? I think crossing that creek to get up into the campsite. I mean, that was, I always love camping close to water, not having to trek very far away to get from water. But, but that, was, that was a tough, just two miles up into camp. I think that was probably the, the first, man, we're at this elevation. And then carrying the full pack, uh, I think that was, that was the getting your feet wet moment, having all that. Not literally. Yeah, not literally. Our feet stayed dry, but uh, getting acclimated to everything. And I, th- I think that that acclimation was, was going to prove to be very beneficial because we read things. We were prepped for the difference in elevation gain and what it's like hiking. You know, typically a, I heard a two-mile hike into camp, and I thought, Psh, man, this is Monday's going to be great. Two miles into camp is nothing. But even that two-mile hike into camp was, was pretty rigorous. What really threw me off was when we could not get the stove to work. Yeah. And had never had experience with that. And I'm thinking, tomorrow morning's going to be horrible when I can't make coffee yeah. and, and have a hot breakfast. That's, that, if I'm going to have a hot meal, that's the one I want hot. Yeah, that one, that was, that was maybe the first obstacle of camp that would have come to my mind. And because it, it, it's so unexpected. So basically, our idiocracy was revealed. Right. <laughs> but we overcame it, and I get the credit for sure. the first heroic action of the... Absolutely. Woke up. <laughs> I see that was that was Monday night. So woke up Tuesday morning and uh, see Overtrek walking back up from the from the creek back up into campsite with a with a smile of of accomplishment and satisfaction and victory. Much accomplishment. And saying, "Boys, we got fire." And well, maybe not in those exact words, no. but that was that we was how coffee, I translated. It's probably That's, what I was that saying. Sounds more like it. And that was making a beautiful beautiful morning and the beautiful sunrise of that morning. I, and then we set out on the trail that day, which was to really become our first full day of backpacking in the mm-hmm. Rockies. I was talking about the 10-mile loop earlier. Throughout the entire 10 miles, I, there's no question that half of that was uphill. And I'm talking about serious elevation gains. Yeah, and that might be a modest 
Uh, that that part was that part was rough because, like you said, it's it's uphill most of the ways. And again, was it five miles? You know, again, you're thinking, all right, five miles. We'll get up. We'll drop our gear in camp. We'll we'll convert to day packs. Do some other kind of light hiking around some of the 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 side trails and stuff. And man, that five miles was killer. Pretty this rapid is gaining elevation, elevation yeah. on a pretty pretty seriously. So anyway, I want what I wanted to say about that was you were talking about felt like we were going to die. Actually, by that point, through that three miles of uphill that day. I wasn't moving near as fast as I would, you know, on most trail, any trail around here. So yeah. it, it definitely slowed me down. And what was funny was how you took over, took the lead there for a while and just was charged, <laughs> charging up the hill. Go, 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 go. And I mean, I would stop occasionally for my own benefit, but also thinking you guys would, it would benefit you if we stopped periodically. Cause I know how I'm feeling. I'm just going to assume that you guys are close to that. Man, when you got in the lead, you didn't stop at all. One time you said uh, something about stopping, and I said, hey, I'm with you. So you just turned around and kept going, so I kept going. But I stayed about probably 10, 15 yards behind you, somewhere type of range. We finally reached the turnoff point to go up to the campsite, and you must have said, and through Swamp Squatch, it was passed to me, uh, how much further do we have? And I said, joking, I said 1.6 miles. Yep. <laughs> at which point you said... <laughs> I'm gonna have to stop and take this back off. No, it wasn't at all like that. <laughs> what it was, was it? A, it was. It was. All right, that's it. I'm done. That's I'm, <laughs> I'm taking this pack off. I'm. I got to stop for a while. And you were literally about to crash on the side of the trail. Yes. Within a hundred yards of camp. Yeah. I mean, you don't know because I'll tell you part of part of that hard charging is I, there comes there comes a point where it's like all right. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to do anything. I just want to get there. I just want to get done. I want to push through this. And so then I push through and I get there and then I realize what there's like a whole another mile and a half left. I have been just pushing forward to get here, and it, it was almost like this just defeated. All right, this is it. I, I got I got no energy left. This so, is done. So you can sense, dear listener, that we're getting close to closer to talking about lessons learned. Yeah. <laughs> here, so uh, you begin to sen- get a little bit of a sense of actually what this type of experience teaches you. Yeah. You have to dig down into your inner self, like yeah. your soul, you have to find strength that your physical body does not tell you you have. Yep. On that particular day, we were waking up and we began that walk out that day. And we'd seen some beautiful things and some nice places. But I think as far as just beautiful, the best day of variety, the best day of really seeing the Rockies and seeing the, the changes at the altitude levels and stuff. I mean, outside of the grand change of Long's Peak, but uh, from Falls Lake to Odessa yeah. Lake to that climb up through those. Uh, but we just saw so much beauty and so much change in the climate and everything. A verse of scripture that was on my heart that morning from my reading was from Psalm 33. And verse 5 says, The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. And that day really was a, an experience of that, of just seeing those beautiful lakes, seeing the waterfalls, seeing snow. I mean, just yeah. being able to have some snow in July was a wonderful experience. It was like Christmas in July. Well, let's uh, let's jump right to, and we can we can describe more of our experiences. But let's start with some of the 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 easy ones. What were the most memorable moments for you on this trip? The easiest ones is making it to the top of Long's Peak. <laughs> <laughs> but but right before that, I think probably one of the most memorable things was so we get to the keyhole. 
We go through all of that, the treachery of the keyhole, and you round and you get to, what did we decide? Was that the, the trough? Or yes, was that the narrows? Yes, yes. That was a trough. Mm-hmm. So when you hit that, and if you can look up pictures online, when you when you first look at it, you can kind of see the the crest at the top. And for whatever reason, I don't know maybe if you were thinking this or not, but in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, I just got to get to the top of there. The, the summit has to be really close to there. And that is in no way, shape, or form an easy climb at all. Well, then we get up there and we start talking to some people coming down and, and they kind of have this look of, you know, like, no, you're, you're not almost there. When you crest the top of the trough and you look left, you've got another just, the only way I can think to describe it, it's got to be the most straight up and down that you can possibly get without really needing professional climbing gear. I mean, it, it's pretty intense. And, and I think that right there, that thought of what have I gotten myself into? Because Boulder Field and the Keyhole and all of that area is no joke. Then to, to get up the trough and think, all right, I just got to get to the top of here. I just got to get to the top of here. Uh, that, is, that is definitely a, a memory, a, a feeling of wow that is going to stay seared in my mind for quite some time. You start out at around 9,400 feet when you start the trail, and, and you end up at 14,259 feet, roughly. It's act, so it's, it's, it's over 5,000, about 5,100 foot of elevation gain. And the entire trip, round trip, is around 14.5 miles. Again, 14.5 miles, uh, it, it doesn't sound like a lot around in this area. We did but. that in Uori. Yeah, but this is uh, this is definitely. I mean, half of that is a five thousand yep. one hundred foot climb because there is no there's no point where you're okay. Let's descend a while and then we go up a while. No, it is a constant ascent for that seven miles of that trail. But uh, yeah, those are those are big moments. I mean, memorable moments along the trail are going to be not only the beautiful things that we saw, but those places where you you kind of get to a point of accomplishment, a mark. And then you realize, okay, but now I gotta, I gotta dig down and I gotta go forward again. Memorable moment. Well, the most memorable moment of the trip was definitely getting to the top of Long's Peak. It was a week-long endeavor, and that that morning itself, you know, on Thursday we got up at. Uh, actually, we ended up getting up a little before 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. You know, we left at. Uh, I think we stepped off at 4:55. And we were at the top of Long's Peak by 1033. Uh, I think I reached the top around 1033, according to my video, uh, which was taken at 1034. So we'll say that. Uh, you guys, you and Swamp Squatch got up there a couple, two or three minutes before I did. And, and I'll, I'll ex- express more about that in a moment. But we really make good time, all things considered. Yeah. And there are things to consider in this. Right. But, but all things considered, I think we made excellent time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I was satisfied. It felt a whole lot longer than it actually was because when we got back to camp that night and I got to thinking about how long we actually spent from the time we stepped off camp to the time that we summited Long's Peak, it was actually not as bad. But, man, when we were coming up Boulder Field and working through the keyhole, it felt like we had been up there for, like, 10 hours. And we pushed. I mean, we we pushed, and, you know, that, that sort of starts dipping into, you know, the struggle that I had that day, which, again, was, and I didn't realize this till we were back in camp that evening, but uh, just being under, or malnutrition, being under, undernourished. undernourished that day. And, I mean, my claim to, to stupidity is also my claim to fame. Um, I'm probably one of the few people that's ever made the entire 
route and climbed to the top of Long's Peak on about 800 calories. No, it was 500. Yeah, it was like 500. 500 <laughs> calories. So, but man, by that point, I'd probably already burned, you know, uh, 1,500 or so. This this is your this is your kids don't try this at home moment. That's right. That's right. This was my this was my I wa- always wanted to be Bear Grylls moment. Yeah. <laughs> and and prove no, that I could survive on two grub worms. Yeah, there's just no grub worms <laughs> at that elevation. <laughs> there ain't much anything at that yeah. elevation. So you some rats. You could have found one of those what side they were, conies? Yeah. Let me let me put it like this. Our our good buddy, um, who is featured on this podcast quite a bit, Roland Napoleon, our good buddy asked me, um, I'm looking right now. I'm going to give you the exact words. He says, how was it? You know, this was after we got back. How was it? And this was my response to him. I said, indescribable at the top. You know how when your child is born and how you're just overcome? Sort of like that. I nearly cried. Probably would have if I'd been by myself. <laughs> That's how I responded to that. There was not an not a bit of exaggeration in that response, yep. but that response does not really give you the, the all of the thoughts that are going through your mind. You know, even even while at that, that point where where we kind of separated a little bit and, and you were a little ways behind and Swamp Squatch and I were going on. You know, even even as we were talking, he has similar thoughts, but then but then different. Everybody is experiencing those things. Everybody's experiencing those climbs in drastically different ways, not just physically. But the mental toll that they're struggling with, and even though all three of us experienced the exact same thing, we experienced it completely differently, and and we overcame our own obstacles and hurdles throughout the way. But to do that and to look at that and and to conquer that, you know, I I think one one of the things that'll stick out in my mind too is on our way back down and we passed that group that had had the sign that that was oh, yeah. That, yeah. That, that they that they made it to the top, but they were. They were still a ways from the top. Uh, but it takes a long time to scramble up there. But anyhow, we passed them, and, and their response was, you know, hey, we're not going to have time to make it to the top. We're tired. This is close enough. Will you take our picture? Yeah. And so they've got the sign at elevation. And, and our, our, my, my first thought was, hey, you know what? They're, they're here. They did this. But I would have felt really disappointed to have made it that far and, and literally to be able to pretty much see the top and not have pushed through that last little bit you know, to get up there. So probably the craziest thing I've ever done in my life as far as just the physical toll, the mental toll, the, the all that was put in, the months of training that went into it to get in there, uh, it, it was definitely an experience that, 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 that there was a lot learned from. Well, speaking of a lot learned from, let's, let's kind of bring it now down to what were the things that, that God was speaking to us and teaching us about during this and uh, how it all culminated really on that last day, I think. But I've sort of framed my experience, uh, you know, just all the different things that happened, the uncontrollable things, the controllable things that for some reason weren't controlled. Uh, but all of it, I-, I framed it into three words that were the constant themes of the week for me. And have you been able to concise yours into some something like that? I've got three thoughts, but I don't necessarily have three individual words. Well, that's close enough. You know, you are a man of many thoughts and yeah, words. So. I, <laughs> I, I One of the things that I found myself learning or, or God working on me throughout the week was humility. Now, I want to frame that a little bit by saying that 
of the three of us, without doubt, I'm the mo- more experienced backpacker, the more experienced backcountry camper, the more experienced climber, whatever. In regards to that field, that area, I'm definitely the more experienced. But without a doubt, mm-hmm. I had the most trouble physically uh, throughout this, this week of, of doing this. And it wasn't just that as far as the ways that, that God was teaching me humility, but certainly that was. And I don't think it was the humility in the sense that I had some sort of arrogant ambitions or uh, sense that I was superior, uh, because that's not the only kind of pride that God wants right. to root out of our life. Sometimes the pride comes in the sense of just being so you know, self-focused you know, I'm not even sure that I fully understand all that God might have been rooting out of me as much as he was just simply demonstrating to me that being low brings us to a place of dependence and faith that will ultimately bring us up. So this is kind of like the Bible. James says, humble ourselves before the Lord. He will exalt us in due time. Yeah. And I think I felt like I sort of lived that out through the week, you know, because there was there was not a higher exaltation than getting to the top of that mountain. But by the time I got to the top of the mountain, I knew this has nothing to do with my physical abilities. It has nothing to do with my experience. This has to do simply with heart, soul, and reliance on God. So there was humility that I was learning in that. Yeah, and I think to, you know, I looked at myself probably the exact opposite of where you were coming in from. I'm, I'm two years into... Well, probably not even really two years, probably only a year and a half into my my backpacking, this type of, of activity. And this was not in my forte in my teenage and, and early 20s years, so I'm, I'm still very brand new to all of this. And by nature, I am more of a self-conscious, like, man, I, I can't do this, I'm, I'm not physically cut out for this, I can't. Which I think is part of even that pride that you've mentioned you say, well, how on earth is that pride? Because it's put an over-reliance on me and myself and, and highlighting me. My climb that day, even though there was some physical struggles, I feel like I far surpassed what in my mind thought was what I could accomplish. The lesson that I learned was don't limit what God is able to do through you. You know, Don't, don't limit who God has made you. Don't, li- don't limit the power that God to rest and to rely on him you can accomplish whatever it is that that he has set before you to accomplish. And so getting to the top of Long's Peak, I look back and like, man, two years ago, no way in the world I'd ever come anywhere remotely close to that. But to take all of the lessons that I have learned over this past year and a half of of code activities and, you know, individual growth and development to get to where I'm at now, it was humbling because I knew it wasn't me. I knew it wasn't just my own power and strength, but it was what God has grown grown me into over the course of this time. The night before the uh, the climb, you'd gone to your tent, I'd gone to my hammock, and Swamp Squatch had gone to the ground underneath my hammock because his tent was not waterproof. And it was, it was interesting that both of those nights on that on, in that area, uh, the rain came in early and put us down early. In other yep. words, there was no staying up, sitting around, you know, talking and carrying on, and, and which would have been great too. But what it did was it allowed us to find that place of solitude mm-hmm. in the midst of everything. And the rainfall kind of put us in that place where we just got to be alone with God. And this verse of Scripture had come to my mind. Psalm 68, verse 28 says, Thy God hath commanded thy strength. Strengthen, O God, that which thou hast wrought for us. 
And the next morning, I, I, I shared that with you all before we stepped off. But I really had no idea how much I would need that type of awareness in my mind and heart through that day that that I have no strength. I, I physically, practically speaking, I was running out of strength because I had not eaten enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would just, we took off. And, I mean, I was, I was going strong. And then, you know, at some point I started getting kind of weak and, it never even crossed my mind that I haven't eaten. Right. You know, it's just weird. How you don't think about that, I don't know. That's an unexplained mystery. Nevertheless, it's learning to rely on the strength of God, which I would say feeds into one of the other words that I think uh, encompassed the week for me and has I have brought back from it, which is mercy. You know, praying for mercy. Mercy from God. Now, what I have learned in praying for mercy... Because not just in this experience of climbing that mountain, but as, as I pray for others right now, we're still in the time where we have people that are sick and people that are suffering. When I pray for mercy, mercy is not God keep me from trouble or God take away the trouble, but mercy I've come to understand through the trial is God, give me the strength not to crumble in this. Give Mm -hmm. me the strength to believe you in this. God, be merciful to me that my heart will not fail while I I endure this. And that really became a prayer for me on Thursday morning. You you know, you guys had got on ahead, and we kind of had that discussion at one point. It's like, hey, look, you know, I told you, I said, look, you you guys just go on because you got a time limit, really. I mean, if you want to be smart and safe, you need to get to the top. Uh, and get off the top before noon so right. that you can avoid any thunderstorms. Because it's not just about avoiding the weather on top of the mountain. It's about getting back down below that ridge line, the tree line. Yeah, the tree line in case of you know lightning and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So you get, And thunderstorms are prevalent in the afternoons around there. So you really got a certain window of time to make the summit and then get down. And I knew I was struggling, didn't want you guys to miss the opportunity. If it fell apart and I didn't make the top, you know, I was willing to accept that. But... What I found, and I think I told you this later on that day, what I found in my struggle was that I got to where I wasn't even thinking about whether I would make the top or whether I wouldn't make the top. It became all about just just staying at it. It became about making the next effort. And prayer became a very real part of that because I had realized how weak I was. I realized that the only way to fully recover, I would have had to stop and sit there for an hour or two. Yeah. And really just let my body recover and really start fueling up. Well, I didn't have time to do that. So I've got a choice. I either just start making my way back down and quit, or I just keep going. Try to best I can, see how far I can get. And just that reliance on God, that mercy. And again, there's humility coming in that. Learning that, hey, I need God and I, you know, I can't do this on my own. And so, and I have brought that lesson back with me. Yeah. His mercy is, is displayed in all sorts of different ways. One of the lessons that I had kind of jotted down uh, in my own life, and you know what, people might laugh and they may think, well, man, that's, that's not that big of a deal. But for me, it was at that point in time. We had no idea what cell phone signal would be like when we got up there. We didn't know if we would have any to be able to, to coordinate back and forth. And, you know, it was, it was spotty. It, was, it wasn't great. And that was okay because a lot of the reasons that we go on these things is to, is to pull away from everything, to get, yes. to, to get away, to Preach. isolate from the world. But the, the main day that I was focused on was Thursday because, you know, I knew my wife back home. You know, Thursday she, she had had in her mind that was, 
That was Summit Day. She knew the danger of it. She had heard how Long's Peak was Colorado's deadliest mountain. You know, she had heard all these things. And so in, in my mind, in my life, my, my prayer was, Lord, it would be great if I, if I can just find enough signal to shoot her a text after we come down to say, hey, I'm okay, everything's fine, we summoned it, we made it back to camp, love you, talk to you later. It was all that I was looking for. And we had one spot on that whole trail that I was able to, that I was able to see, and it was, it was like a horse tie-off point. And at that point, not only was there enough cell phone signal to get a text out, but I was able to make a real quick call, talk to the children, talk to her for a little bit, let her know. That was a display of the mercy of God uh, because he didn't have to do that. I mean, it, it could have been just completely fine and acceptable to get up there and have no signal and anything like that. And, and I know in, in, a, in a grand scheme of things, that is a very minor illustration, but what it conveyed to me was the, the greater point of God is genuinely interested in every aspect of our life. If he's interested in me here, he's interested in me when I'm going through the heavy trials, the big things, the big moments. He's interested in when I, when everything is smooth sailing and is going great. And I think so often, at least in my life, there's been a there's been a a God dependence when things are out of my control. And I think one of the lessons that I learned was there's got to be a God dependence whether things are in my control or not, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to fully rely on God, to keep my eyes focused on Him, and to lean on His power and strength. So for those of you who uh, have never seen this, never had an opportunity to read the sign, the last, the final warning, if you will, before you begin the ascent to the keyhole. Now, the keyhole is a critical point on the juncture. That's where you... We're hiking turns into climbing right essentially it says keyhole route ahead this is the sign you encounter at boulder field do not climb if unprepared now we've already established in life just like in this experience prepare as best you can and we must prepare we must prepare daily through our prayer our devotion our commitment to god our diligence in those things i think humility teaches us or should teach us that we're never fully prepared. Sure. And so we come to reliance on God. He says the keyhole route is a climb that requires scrambling on exposed narrow ledges, loose rock, and steep slabs. You're going to get exposed. There's going to be some loose places. There's going to be some steep places. Sounds like life. Sudden changes in weather may create high winds, lightning, rain, hail, snow, freezing temperatures, and ice-covered rock at any time. This reminds me of the Apostle Paul's testimony in 2 Corinthians. <laughs> you know, shipwrecks, beatings, yep. fastings. A, I'm back to the sign. A slip, trip, or fall could be fatal. <laughs> most, the best line from the whole sign. A slip, trip, or fall could be fatal. Rescue is difficult and may take hours to days. Then it says in big letters, self-reliance is essential. We would change that around to say, I think two things. One, God-reliance is essential. Sure. You know, in life, just as in this climb, it literally was that way. And and in life, it is reliance on God. It is not a self-reliance. This is the way of the world. And what we learned, if we learned nothing else on this trip, we learned that we depend upon the Lord. We depend upon the grace of God we depend upon the mercy of God. We depend upon the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Then I want to say not only the, the, the reliance on God, but in a 
subpoint to that is the reliance on one another. And men, to become men, need that. They need yeah. each other to continue to fashion them. You know, iron sharpeneth iron is one of the principles we talk about a lot. And fashioning one another, and sometimes we, we agitate and irritate one another in good ways. You know, now sometimes we do it in bad ways. We just get on each other's nerves probably unnecessarily, but in good ways we agitate and irritate one another. So there's, there's the reliance on the Lord. There's reliance on one another. Now, it does say stay on the route and be willing to turn around at any time. And, you know, some things are not brave or courageous. Some things are stupid. Yeah. And on that route, you don't really need to get, quote, brave and try to find a new way to get there. In life, something that we would offer to the men that listen to this, or even women listening to this, there's a way that's been laid out for us. There's a route that's been marked. You know, Jesus Christ is the shepherd and the bishop of our soul. He is the good shepherd. He has led us in the way, the truth, the life. We don't need to try to find another route. Jeremiah says, you know, we're to ask for the old paths. That's the good way yeah. so that we can walk in that. But they call those little marks along that keyhole route fried eggs. That's what mm -hmm. the, the, the guy, the volunteer told us. And they're, they're little yellow and red um, paint marks that have been put into the trail. Sometimes they're hard to see. Yeah. I mean, literally. And I'll tell you something else. They're hard to see sometimes because of where they are, but they're hard to see because when you're beat up physically and mentally you're being tested, it just gets hard to see sometimes the way you're supposed to go. So what? what well, a lot of times we just had to stop, go step by step, and just. We had to stop stop and reorient ourselves, yeah. didn't we? And that reminds me of one of the things that I read during the week that I think would be fitting to throw in right here. Whenever the gaze strays even a little, we should turn back the eyes of the heart into the straight line towards God. And, uh, well, I actually read that earlier in, in the month of July, and I, I just kind of put that down in my, uh, my journal because it's been a constant reminder to me that there are, there's going to come times along this journey you, you can't see where the next marker is. Yeah. Now, it's there. You know it's there, but you can't see it. You get a little fuzzy. Your vision gets a little cloudy sometimes. I mean, when you're malnourished and when you're physically hurting because, you know, especially you guys, I mean, your ascent was really good. Where you guys found the trouble was the descent. descent yep. You know, and you've described that because it's it's harder. You're, you're, we won't, we, we're not going to say you're short. We're going to say you're vertically challenged. I'm fun-sized. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it makes it hard in that regard. And then Swamp Squatch, you know, he was beat up. But, you know, you push through that climb. But then, I mean, everybody, it takes a toll on you yep. at that point. So what do you do? Just as in life, you stop and you realign. You reorient. And in our spirit, in our soul, we must do that with God on a regular basis, a daily basis. But especially when you're going through the hardships of yep. life. And realign with somebody. I remember there's a couple of times coming back down the trough where I would ask you, hey, do you see the mark? Yep. You know, I, I have a little bit of a colorblindness issue, and I don't know, you, you just seem to be better at spotting them. It was a great experience in that regard. So did you have something else? Yeah, just one other thing. And uh, I think what was cool about this one was I think this was the first time, because you've mentioned multiple times about how when you go on these things, a lot of times lessons will get seared in your mind after the fact and long after the fact. And this was one of those I had wrote down, see, the, the 21st. So that was Tuesday. Monday was the 20th. Tuesday was the 21st. So very early on in the week, I had been reading through Philippians, and, and Paul had talked about suffering for, for Christ's sake. And there's very little suffering that we endure 
for the faith. But I think that that word suffering can be applied to any kind of of hardship, difficulty, thing that that gets us out of our comfort zone. And I mentioned earlier about even the the flight talking to two different pretty chatty people gets me out of my comfort zone. So I sat down and my first thought was, man, this is a three and a half hour flight from where we're heading out. That was our second leg of the trip. I thought, man, this, I'm going I'm to talk to this guy the whole time. But I ended up sitting there thinking, all right, Lord, you've put me next to this guy for a reason. What what can I do? And to be able to have the opportunity to talk with that fella, you know, to, to engage in, in, some, in some witnessing and some things like that, then to land in Colorado, to go through all of the the physical and the mental challenge to accomplish Long's Peak, all of that was centered around this fact of uncomfortable things when we embrace them, when we utilize them for their purpose, reap great rewards in the future. It's, it's for our good. It's for our benefit. Things that I was able to experience because I suffered through the months of training prior and suffered through the, the physical discomfort to be able to get to Long's Peak, to then turn right back around and get on an airplane on the way back and sit down next to another extremely chatty fellow, again getting out of my comfort zone a little while and having to talk. It was like when I got back home and I started reflecting on the week, the Lord brought home this point, being uncomfortable is okay. So long as we are willing to seek the face of the Lord, why am I uncomfortable right here? What is it that you're trying to work through? What is it that you're trying to teach me through this? What is it that you are trying to use me to accomplish in this place of discomfort? And I think it goes back even to some of that agitation and irritation uh, that, that we kind of do with one another as brothers. I think the Lord agitates and irritates us a little bit, getting us out of our comfort zone, putting us in places of difficulty and stress, not because he's angry with us or he's mad at us or he's wanting to just make our life miserable, but because he is shaping us into something and he is putting us in a place to accomplish something for him. And I think overall that was probably the greatest uh, lesson that I brought back from, from that trip. Well, the final thing that I will uh, will offer, and it really probably connects with that a little bit, Thing the Lord was teaching me throughout the entire trip was patience. Not just the don't get in a hurry yeah. part of patience, but that internal place of letting go. Letting go. I, I will just demonstrate that by one one event, one one point in the trip. It was Thursday afternoon. The climb has been made. We get back to camp around 3.15, 3.30. I don't know what it was. Everybody's beat down. Everybody's sore from from neck to toe at least and and you hurt everywhere and you're hungry but not yet quite able to eat because you're just in trauma i believe the cloud started forming and there might have been a drizzle or two Mm -hmm. but at six o'clock in the afternoon now our plan that evening was to celebrate set up talk about the day and really just you know six o'clock the rain starts yep so we get into, you know, a patience here. Now, you got it made. You go get in the tent. You got all your nice cushy stuff. You're glamping over there yeah. with all that gear you've got. I climb into the hammock, which would normally be okay, but I've got Swamp Squatch sleeping underneath me, and my hammock is like, you know, eight inches off the ground for some reason. I don't know. And so every time he moves or shifts, I'm getting bumped, and it's just not a really comfortable place. And you know, I'm not feeling good about that. You know, I'm, I'm praying, God, if it be your will, 
let this rain pass away. (laughs) (laughs) Nevertheless, and I'm trying to be prayerful about it. And I'm thinking, but this is good. Okay, I'm going to have some time. I want to rest and read a little bit. And then I start feeling it, a drip. I got a drip coming through my rain fly, landing right on about center mass of me where I'm laying. And I'm thinking, oh, my soul, now, not on, come on. And, and all week I've been, I've been getting reminded of patience, different ways, starting with the car rental place. That yep. probably didn't where it started. but So, you know, I'd let it drip, and I'd wipe it off, and I'd wait there for another minute, and another drip would come. The drip started getting faster. There was like two drips per minute. And eventually it hit me. You know what? I can lay here hoping for the rain to stop, offering some impatient prayer now and then, and miss out on this opportunity, or I can just accept this. And so, you know, I decided to accept it. And I took um, one of the uh, T-shirts that I had worn earlier, just folded it up, laid it right there where it would catch the drip, pulled out a book that I had been reading, and uh, just got into some study and let it go. Yeah. And you know what? The rain never stopped <laughs> <laughs> all the way into probably like what eight thirty yeah, nine eight it was or nine about dark it was dark yeah. i guess so for i mean it rained for three hours by the way rain is coming down the rain fly it's it's rolling under the rain fly getting all the gear wet it's splattering mud on everything it was it was awful yeah and i literally could have laid there and fretted and worried and got anxious and got upset but I thank God for giving me that lesson in patience because the way that turned out that afternoon was I got some rest. I did some great time of reflection and reading, and I needed that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so often in life, we will, we will let circumstances dictate our attitude. We will let circumstances dictate our, our and our response will be ugly sometimes. But if we can give every situation to God, if we can truly let go and just trust God to be God and to be real beyond whatever the circumstances are. You know, if I'm getting rained on and got a drip in my rain fly and I can't let go of that and find peace, what am I going to do when life really brings trouble? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do when, as a Christian, I really were to face some kind of persecution or something very, very bad happens in my family? I thank God for those lessons and the lesson of patience that he brought in. Absolutely. That is the, uh, that's the end of the tale. Lessons from Long's Peak. And we'll be uh, looking forward to coming back and recording again here pretty soon on a topic of mutual interest to all. Until then, this is Overtrek Mike Barnett saying happy trails to you. And Corey Easy Target Cantrell saying good morning, good afternoon, and in good night. In the heart of a champion, there is a fire. the heart.